0: In between episode 25, Behind the Marketing, preparing account management for successful selling into health systems. Today, I have a conversation with my co-president over at Aventria Health Group, Dave Dirk. This episode also features, from the HC Biz Show, Don Lee and Shahid Shah.
1: American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value.
0: I was listening to the HC Biz Show featuring hosts Don Lee and Shahid Shah earlier this year. Specifically, their two-part series entitled Selling into Health Systems. Besides being co-hosts of the HC Biz Show, Don Lee is the founder of Glide Health and VBP Forward, and Shahid is a serial entrepreneur. One of his companies is NetSpective. Shahid can be found doing HIT keynotes all over the country, too. Both of these guys, Don and Shahid, know a whole lot about selling into health systems from both sides of the table, so it is not a surprise that they did a couple of shows on this theme. A lot of what Don and Shahid were talking about in that Selling Into Health Systems series dovetailed superiorly with some work that we do over here at Aventria and that we know a lot about. So pretend there's a drumroll here because I'd like to announce that this is not just an in-between episode. We have just driven right off the Relentless Health Value podcast format reservation. With Dunn and Shahid's permission, of course, we are going to play some clips that I find particularly relevant from that HC Biz Show Selling Into Healthcare series. And then Dave Dirk, my co-president over here at Aventry Health Group, and I will discuss said clips. Dave and I are going to talk about how exactly, let's just call them seller, needs to prepare its account management team to go into a health system and successfully do all of the things that Shahid and Don talk about. As foreshadowing, a lot of what Dave and I recommend to prepare an account management team for successful selling centers on five links in a chain. And here they are. Account managers need a really firm grasp of number one, market knowledge, and number two, customer knowledge. They need, number three, collaborative selling skills, the ability to listen in dialogue, and number four, consultative skills, which should be additive. And lastly, there is a great requirement for number five, strategic ability to really be able to think critically around how to make all of the other links in the chain actionable. And you'll hear these five things woven throughout the conversation I have with Dave today. One last note, I need to mention Brian Van Winkle. This podcast conversation that Shahid and Don had references an article that Shahid co-authored with Brian, who is Executive Director of Innovation over at John Hopkins. My name, by the way, is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is, in fact, sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Okay, let's do this thing. Dave Dirk, welcome to Relentless Health Value.
2: Thanks, Stacey. I'm glad to be here.
0: Let's kick it off here and listen to our first clip. This is Don Lee.
1: Many people come into this and they understand their little nook if you will. They understand the problem that they're trying to solve. In that little vacuum, they tend to understand their problem really well, but they don't take the step back and understand how the healthcare system operates on a whole.
0: Just to kind of level set here, as you heard Don during that particular clip, but Shahid also in the the clips to follow. They're mostly directing their commentary toward innovators and startups. In the conversation that we're having today, we're going to take this, I'm going to say, Two steps to the left. You know, first, we're going to talk about larger entities like pharma companies or digital therapeutic companies or medical device organizations or even other provider organizations, maybe basically big companies that are looking to collaborate with a health system. And second, we're going to talk less about exactly what to do whilst in that health system and a little bit more about how to prepare an account team to do it.
2: I also think that when we talk about innovative companies or uh, large companies, I I think the parallels are also deep in that the whole idea on working with these large customers is to try to effect change. And I think then it's important to that we can look at this as innovation, irrespective of whether we're trying to get our product used more or we're trying to get the organization to be more effective in patient care. All of it is about how do we affect behavioral change?
0: Yeah, and you might be wondering why we're talking about the topic of you know in quotation marks sales on the Relentless Health Value podcast when the mission of this show is is most assuredly to support value in healthcare and help listeners do the right thing in achieving the quadruple aim. And the one thing that I want to make clear is if you have a high value product or service and no one is using it. <laughs> the value of what you have on offer is obviously not being realized. So the intention today is to help those who really do have something important that they, that you are trying to get out into the marketplace. And you're trying to cultivate a team who can really represent that value within health systems such that the potential value can be manifested. Ready for clip two, Dave?
1: Yes. A lot of times you're going into a health system and you're trying to solve a problem for a particular group of people and they don't even necessarily understand what are all of the other aspects of the business that this thing's going to integrate with and they might not even know who to bring into the room. So I think again as a coming at it as a, you know, an outsider, don't think of yourself as incapable of understanding as well as or better than some of the prospects that you're talking to, how their system works, come in with the mindset of being a guide for them and you know, helping them to understand who are the other people that you might want to start getting involved in these conversations and start just being proactive about that from go, at least having it part of the conversation. So yeah. that's the first thing that comes to mind. No,
3: it's so interesting because it sounds counterintuitive where you expect... Uh, so guys on the inside of a health system, which is fairly complex often expect the innovator to come and tell them how their hospital works. Now, that sounds amusing, but it's reality. You have to know and say, okay, we've spoken to this clinician in this department, another clinician in another department. We spoke to the business owner in this third department. And here's where we think you guys are weak today. And here's where we think you're strong.
0: Here's my big takeaway from that, Dave. You want me to sum this up in seven words? Please. An institutional sale is wildly different. From talking one-to-one to to a provider. That may have been more than seven words.
2: It's wildly different. That's where the opportunity lies, but that's also where the challenge lies. In many cases, we're trained for the historical one-on-one selling. And so not only do we have to break down that previous historical behavior and infrastructure, too, that supports that behavior, but we have to learn new skills and put infrastructure in place that can support this new approach, which is very different than what worked in the past. And when I say past, it's still working today, but just not in this context of the health system. The other point I would like to make is that what we're just talking about, helping the health system understand how it operates itself in the context of what we're offering to them, is a really important point. And if you think about it as the value that we can deliver to these health systems, they do look to us to be subject matter experts in our own domain. So that can be a therapeutic category, that can be a disease state, that can be an area of focus where we've done a deep dive. And consequently, we know the different areas that can be impacted by our area of focus in the health system itself.
0: I would concur and further add that only a part of it is about the features and benefits or safety and efficacy of any given product or or service in a silo. And I'm going to say this very bluntly. Institutions don't care about your safety and efficacy or your features and benefits. What they care about is the problem that you're going to solve for them. They care about this is where we are now and what is the promise of what you're bringing in because effectively what they're going to buy into, whether they're actually paying money for it or simply prescribing it or using it, the value that you bring is the incremental between where they are now and what they could attain very specifically.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to add to that. Of course, we need to know the features and benefits. But if that's the core of what we're serving up, Than it is merely a self centered monologue. And that's absolutely what you don't want to be doing. You have to know that. And eventually that needs to be worked into the collaboration and the solution, but it is only a minor component. And what's most important is what you're talking about is to understand the customer, understand their challenges, understand their environment, and then understand how that product with its features and benefits fits into that ecosystem.
0: Yeah. And you know that you're suffering from this Particular issue. If you're hearing things from your team, such as air quotes, our product is expensive and coverage and usage is poor. Like anytime that becomes a rallying cry, it could very easily be a sign the message is a supply side message. And it's more about you than it is about your customer and how what you're bringing to the table should be viewed from a customer perspective as solving their issue.
2: Exactly. If we think about the marketplace and its complexities, and we think about its evolution, and we think about the drive towards the triple or the quadruple aim, there are myriad challenges that these large organizations are facing. They are willing. We we know this firsthand. We have numerous examples where the uptake of opportunities and solutions is great among these health systems and IDNs, but it only happens when you're speaking in the context of what their challenges and needs are. And if you're only talking in the context of what you offer and serve up, then it's very likely that you're going to run into a brick wall.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about why that matters, really. Let's hear what Shahid has to say about that. The more
3: successful the organization is, the more moats that they have built up, They their entire structure of their organization, how they hire, how they set up their workforce is designed to keep you out. The point that Shahid's
0: making there is that it's evolved exactly like he says, to keep you out. The stakes are higher to do what we're talking about well. Because if an account team is not adequately able to collaborate and to understand what a health system's challenges are well enough to position the product or service, as Shahid said, there's moats.
2: You know, the account management team and really, Absolutely. The whole organization needs to understand the marketplace as the first parameter. Then they need to understand the customer and what they're trying to achieve in the context of that market. Then they need to understand how they can work with those customers. And they need to understand what they can bring to the table on a consultative level to make them welcome and engaged. All of that is predicated on what's your strategy. You know, what's your plan? So, if you're only going in with features and benefits and you're missing those four components, then you really lack a strategy. And you're only selling on the supply side, only talking about your side of the equation and not theirs. And that's when you incur these moats that are designed to keep you out. And conversely, If you can contextualize your solutions to deliver value against the challenges that these customers are facing, then you have the opportunity to work with them. Because keep in mind that this is a complex, competitive marketplace, and all of these health systems are continually looking and working to evolve, not only to be successful today, but to be successful in the future.
0: If you're hearing things from your team, such as... It's really hard to see them. They have a no-see policy, you know, or as a corollary to that, I am only permitted to meet with them infrequently, in air quotes. Or you're hearing things like, our competition is locked in with a big discount. Any of those things are kind of symptoms of the root cause, which is what Dave was just talking about. Anybody, anywhere will see someone if they think that what that person will bring them has great value. Clearly, the you know customer is, in this case, is not recognizing how whatever the account team is talking about is of great value to them, of is of enough value that they're willing to take their precious time, which sometimes is their most limited resource, and they're going to expend that time to meet with you.
2: I think it is often their most precious resource. You know, there's only one chance to make a first impression. If you come in the first time, they're spending their valuable time with you, and you're trying to close the sale or speak about your product without the context of what they're trying to accomplish and achieve. You're going to then entrench the mindset that you're an outsider and you're trying to direct their activity, as opposed to having a seat at the table and being a partner to help improve the performance of the organization.
0: That is a great lead into a couple of more thoughts from Don and Shahid.
1: Yes, you're an innovator. Yes, you have a solution for a specific problem, but you need to do the consulting work all around that to understand how it does fit in. But well, what's the one thing that you're going to have an impact on and do that really well? But you can't think that you're going to go in there and do that without also being a consultant.
0: And here's a little bit more from Shahid on that same point.
3: A business case has to be built for whatever you are bringing into the environment. And that business case can look a variety of different ways. One of the hard things is that when you walk into hospital A versus B versus C, let's say a small, medium, or large, or even a bunch of larges on their own, each one is going to have a different set of problems in the way that they budget, in the way that they procure, in their problem domain because of the patients that they see, meaning patient mix, specialty mix, what are their service lines.
0: And then one last, let's just go back to Don real quick, because he, he sums this up pretty
1: nicely. You'll have certainly your CIO is going to be there and, the, you know, the, the head of analytics and the technical side, but you're also going to have the innovations person and you're going to have the doctor who's in charge of ambulatory practices. And you're going to have all of these different types of people who all speak different languages at the table and being able to Talk to all of them and you know, understand all of their perspectives and problems so that you can align your product or service to all of their needs is huge.
0: Yeah. So what all this adds up to is exactly what you just said, Dave. It is you gotta give to get. You gotta start out giving and really understanding what the needs of the customer are, because if you don't understand what the needs of the customer are, and by the way, you know, we're talking about a health system, as Don said there at the end, there's lots of different people in the room. So it's not just solving one individual within this giant organization, which, by the way, is consensus driven and permission driven all at the same time. Having a champion is great, but you also need to make sure that that champion then can have the information that he or she would need to speak to everybody else within The organization, as you need to be doing as well. And that takes the ability to really be consultative and listen so that, as you put it, the strategy can be created for that particular institution so that when you're going in, the product can be positioned in exactly the right way such that the institution and all the decision makers in that institution can see how it helps
2: them. Once you get to yes your job is not done. Once a health system agrees to adopt whatever you're offering them, a product or a service, that's great. But then there's the whole issue of implementation, execution, sustaining that and growing that. And all of that too will involve a multitude of players. So the more that you can engage the right stakeholders and not a singular one per se, the more successful you will be down the road. And we've seen that happen too, that you get a yes, and it still doesn't get the success that you want because there hasn't been a focus on sustaining the implementation with all of the reach and all of the impact that can be garnered if it's done well across the whole organization.
0: Adoption and engagement are two different things. And anybody who has had anything to do with health systems in any context, I'm sure realizes that just as well as we do let's get a little bit deeper here into this topic of being consultative.
1: If you've been going into health systems and you've been having these conversations and you've been being a good consultant along the way, meaning you're asking questions and figuring out, you know, who are the other people that are going to be impacted by this solution, positively or negatively? Is there anybody in this organization who might want this to not work? And why would that be? All of these questions you need to think about so that you can get to the heart of the matter at that health system, what's the kind of pathway around it.
0: And here's just one wrinkle.
3: Uh, The other mistake uh, that Brian and I have seen a few times is instead of talking about the details and the objectives and and the results they're going to attach based on what they do, they ask you, meaning the the buyer, a, a question like, how else could we apply this within your environment? And you're like, you're asking the customer to tell you how you could be useful to them in their environment. That seems on the surface, that seems like a good question. Like you don't know the environment, but that's a bad question because you don't know the environment.
0: Yeah, we've seen that more than once. I know you'd agree with me, Dave, that what the consultative training kind of consists of is just make sure you ask them how the product could be applied And as Shahid says very clearly there, that's not the easy answer.
2: When you think about the depth and breadth of these organizations, they're making choices. And this goes back to, you know, available time and available resources. So they're making choices on where they focus, where do they deploy their resources because they can't work to fix everything all at once. And to the extent that you can both heighten the value and the impact and the relevance of what you're proposing to them, and then think about, aside from this immediate application, where other areas where this can also move the needle helps to raise the bar and raise the expectation and raise the willingness to work with you because they see the breadth and depth. So you have to understand that even if you have what seems to be a meaningful value proposition or value story, if it's not meaningful to them relative to other choices, then they might not act on it. You're looking for ways to show that this can be confidently effective. Deployed quickly and easily, and that it has meaning to the objectives of their organization.
0: Yeah, this might sound daunting, and it is. You know, it's been said that account managers at a pharma company or any large organization attempting to collaborate and work with or sell into health systems, those account managers potentially have the hardest job in the company because their role requires them to understand, one, and make actionable, two, the hierarchy and influence networks within multiple customers and customer types. Number one, there's ever-changing market dynamics. There's complex clinical information that they need to be conversant in. And then also how to navigate their own internal organization's home office to meet customer asks and expectations. That's a high bar. And it's what we often see and I know, Dave, you can riff on this too, is that that challenge is underestimated and that oftentimes account managers are ill-resourced. They don't necessarily have the resources and or the background and training and skill training to pull that off effectively within the current marketplace.
2: I think all of the things that you just said are very true. And I would add one more. A lot of the systems that these account managers are using, sales planning, training, resourcing, all of these things often are based on the historical paradigm of the parent company, in this case, maybe a pharmaceutical manufacturer. So they use the training style that was done for the office-based reps, and they're applying it to the account management team, and so on and so forth. And quite frankly, these approaches don't fit because it's not a features and benefits sell. It's not a safety and efficacy sell. It's not a single decision maker, or for that matter, maybe even a relationship sell. It's all about this new way to approach a complex customer in a complex market. And how do you drive those five facets that we talk about? Because I think all five of those links in the chain need to be strong. And if any one of them is weak, then the chain is weak. So they need to have the infrastructure to be strategic about where they go, what they're offering, and how they do it. They need to understand the market. They need to do their homework, understanding the customer. I separate collaborative skills and consultative skills with collaboration, meaning how do you work together, and consultation, meaning what you know, what addition do you bring in terms of knowledge and insight and approaches and experience that are meaningful to them. Those five elements and all wrapped in the strategy are what need to be strong. And if they're done well, then great success can occur. And these are large customers. Not only do they have significant reach in terms of patient lives, But they also have significant influence in their regional, if not national market. It's terribly valuable if it's done well. And I think it's also terribly costly if it's not done well.
0: So let's talk about how do you work this magic where the value of your product changes depending on the organization that you're in and the situation that you find yourself in. Let's listen to Don and Shahid on this.
3: Interviewing the right people, and when I say interviewing, I don't mean selling to them. Truly, an interview is where you're trying to sit with them to understand what they're doing. Now, you may be thinking and saying, "Oh, this is really nice. You know, Don and I know a bunch of people in healthcare. We don't know anybody." Turns out that you don't actually need to know a lot of people inside the system. It's one or two of those guys, whether it's really, really high up the chain or some clinicians that are willing to bring you in because they care about their patients and they want some of these solutions. So instead of trying to sell them your solutions first, try and understand what is their system context.
0: Yeah. And this is this is kind of a mistake that we see often where there's this kind of, I've heard it said this way, sometimes the shortest way home is the long way around, where people try to shortcut the relationship. And dive right into let me show you my detail aid, let me show you my deck, let me go through the features and benefits of my product. And they're kind of in the face of these customers repeatedly with this sales message. So they're spending, you know what they always say, you should spend 80% of your time listening and 20% of your time talking. And it's usually the opposite. This can happen if there is this major within a institutional sale, a focus on pushing product as opposed to understanding customer needs first. Let's drive this point home.
3: Anytime you are asking them for something before you've done something for them, pause and say, why the heck would these guys who are busy doing other things, hopefully saving lives, improving care, etc." cetera, to help you as an innovator figure out how you should be innovating. It's a silly, silly conversation after you think about it this way. But it seems like a good question. Like you're saying, oh, my customer knows what they need and I need to go and talk to them. But no, that's not that's not how the world works. Don't ask them to give you anything before you've suggested something that you could give to them.
0: Which is Shahid echoing the exact point that I was just making. You know, it's kind of full in a China (laughs) shop-esque. to go in touting something before really understanding the environment that the customer would be purchasing or using whatever you're suggesting within?
2: When I think about the complexity and the intricacies of the approach that is necessary to be successful, and we talk about how marketers and field teams that are designed to integrate and support these customers, how you go about doing this. I think the most important thing that we offer when we talk to clients, and that is most successful when you look back on it and say what worked or what didn't, is the issue that there are many stakeholders that should be engaged at the sponsor level, right? So, My strong encouragement is include the field team in the planning and the strategy. Include medical. Include the different sales groups, not just account management for institutions, maybe payers, maybe office based reps. Include leadership because they're working on things like incentives or collaborations across the different organizations, or budgeting. You know, It's often that training isn't brought in until everything is baked. And then they say, okay, here we are, we're all done, let's train on it, as opposed to bringing them in the strategic component and start to plan for it right away. And if all of those teams are brought together and we look at how do we eat this elephant a bite at a time instead of all at once, I think then we can best position To solve for these complexities and more importantly, realize these opportunities.
0: Yeah, you bring up a really good point, Dave. And I think that this is a common misperception, especially in larger, do I wanna say legacy organizations? Maybe I wanna say organizations that have a long history. And it's the idea that institutional success rests on a pie chart that consists of training as a big slice of pie in that pie chart. While it is true in more of a 1 to 1 sale perhaps and it might have been true in the past, that that's not the case anymore. What an account manager needs in order to be successful are all of the things that we've been talking about during this conversation. An account manager not only needs in quotes training on features and benefits, but they also need to understand what is the strategy here? They they need input and insight from all of the different stakeholders within the larger organization such that they can really be able to think critically and sculpt both the positioning of the product and maybe even the customization of the product to be in the image of the customer, if you will. And that doesn't just happen by sitting in a room one afternoon and getting drilled on some content.
2: Absolutely. And it's also all of those dynamics that are not unique to the product, but are influential. And so whether it's population health, whether it is quality metrics, whether it is triple aim objectives, whether it is being more competitive in the marketplace as these large customers are growing their footprint or working to do that, all of those dynamics are secondary, but they're meaningful. If they're served up the right way, then they can add fuel to the features and benefits that ultimately you'll get to, but they're not done in isolation. Rather, they're done in the context of the challenges and the objectives that these customers are trying to solve for.
0: Yeah. And when we think about this, we usually talk about like the program that Aventria Brings to bear, and I'm only mentioning it because I think it's very illustrative, summarizes some of the points that we've been making here. What a paradigm for success is going to consist of as it relates to being well equipped to work with hospital systems to be able to attain success within hospital systems. Generally speaking, there's kind of like four pieces to that. One of them is to ensure that there are adequate tools to facilitate collaborative dialogues, and that those tools are at an account manager's fingertips. If they've gotta go digging through portals, to locate materials, it, it's tough. It, it just it makes a tough job tougher. That's usually the first thing. The second thing is making sure that the training curriculum is very geared to all of the facets and aspects that we're talking about. It's not just about the product. It's also about the various uh, things that a health system might be dealing with internally, so that the account manager is well equipped to have those important conversations. Thirdly, there's got to be some kind of data reporting. There has to be some way that the account manager has some sort of feedback loop relative to the adoption and engagement of the product once it is Installed so that, that the dialogue can continue beyond a health system saying, Sure, sure, I'll try it. And then what are you going to talk about next time? And then lastly, the resources the, that the account managers can bring to bear. It goes back to the you got to give to get. So, what are the giving? What are the tools that they have in their toolkit to facilitate the adoption of the product, number one, but then number two, a continuing dialogue? Those are actually really important if we're thinking about things in a relationship, trust building way.
2: I also enjoy that when you do all the things that you just articulated, Stacy, these customer facing representatives are excited about and they're a hero. Field leadership is a hero. The brand is a hero, training is a hero, and everybody is collaborating and celebrating what they are bringing to the market and its impact. And if that's not happening, then there needs to be a hard look to say, okay, is there a better way to do this? Because it is achievable. I, I think is an important question that everyone should ask themselves. Are we doing it the right way? Are we doing it the best way? Are we getting the results that we think we can achieve? And if the answer is maybe not, then I think people should consider a a new approach and maybe breaking down previous barriers and previous paradigms to say we need to do this differently. Because as we've talked about through this podcast, it does require a different set of information, tools, skills, and infrastructure. And the opportunities out there, we know that. If the Current response is, well, we're not getting anywhere. The answer to that might be, then let's rethink how we're approaching it.
0: Yeah, we all know the definition of insanity, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, just kind of in, in summarizing some of the stuff that we've been talking about, you know, the object of the game here is to be relational, not transactional. You know, like we all know somebody who treats us in a very transactional way. And you know what? It makes us feel icky. It just does. Like if you know that the only reason someone's talking to you is so that they can push their own agenda, like game over, you lost. And that is, as you said, Dave, like the stakes are high. You only get one first impression. And if that's the impression that you're leaving someone with, then Your trust just went through the window. Look up the Edelman Trust Barometer and find your category on that trust barometer and see how you're doing. Because there are segments of the marketplace that have less trust allotted to them than like used car salesmen. And I'm not kidding. And that is a direct repercussion of not doing some of the stuff that we're talking about here. And that really has consequences. If you do it well, as you said, Dave, you can achieve really great success and the value of your your product, the potential can be realized. And if you don't do it well, then unfortunately, you can do more harm than good. Let's just leave it at that.
2: Everyone should be looking hard at how well they're partnering and working with these IDNs and health systems, because we know they want to work with those that can work with them well. And if you're not, I would like to encourage to, to rethink it and put it in the context of what we've talked about here, because it's very likely there are ways to work with them that are mutually beneficial.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a bunch that has been written about this on the Aventria website. So if you go to aventriahealth.com and look in the perspectives section, there's a number of blog posts on this exact topic. Dave, is there anything that you would like to close
2: with? Yeah, I'd like to close with this challenge is arduous. If done well, it's terribly rewarding for those that are empowered to support these customers. It's rewarding for the customers who are achieving the successes that they aspire to. And it's rewarding for the patients that everyone serves because we can get better patient outcomes and reduce suffering and improve quality of life and even improve the economics of the healthcare system. So this is really a meaningful opportunity because of the broad reach and capabilities of these customers. And so I strongly encourage everyone to not be frustrated with working with IDNs, but to look at it as a great opportunity.
0: Thanks for being on the Relentless Health Value podcast today, Dave.
2: Thanks for having me, Stacey. I enjoyed it once again.
0: Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.